Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Millions of Screens, IndieWire's TV industry-focused podcast. I'm creative producer Leo Garcia, joined as always by TV awards editor Libby Hill and TV deputy editor Ben Travers. Hey, guys. Hi, Leo. Hello, Leonardo. Oh, full oh, name. Thank weird. you. Yeah. I feel regal now. Well, I kind of figured you were going to call me Bent, so I was just ready for like <laughs> the only other alternative for your name. I'm only going to say that in the outro. We'll never call you Bent Travers in the intro. This is the millions and millions of little screens. Can't you shut up? I'm busy. Boy, what a great show. On today's show, we'll be talking about Watchmen ratings, some of our favorite scary shows currently streaming, and the debut of Apple TV+. Now it's time for The Clicker, our recap of the biggest news items from this past week. Episode 2 of Watchmen aired on Sunday, and uh, the Nielsen numbers came out and revealed that viewership was down only 13% from the premiere. What can we read in the tea leaves uh, of those numbers? I mean, honestly, I think it's pretty good. Yeah. I think a lot of people still, maybe not a lot of people, but uh, enough people still tune into the premiere of something, uh, even if they are not going to watch it weekly. So, I mean, the fact that the the premiere numbers are higher than the second week is almost always the case. And a minute drop like 13% is good for TV right now. Right. No, absolutely. It was also up against a World Series game, Game 5. They're... I I mean, I think they're respectable numbers. I mean, but the, the takeaway from last week's episode is that we don't know what it means. I mean, this is another good bit of information, like a drop of 13%, especially if we compare it to like uh, box office from week to week. It, a 13% drop would be amazing for a new film from first to second week. So I think that that is roughly similar on television. So I mean, I think Watchmen's in a good position. I, I think we may just be seeing what its audience is and its audience may be flat. And um, at least until it gets more of a body of work behind it, and then people will want to binge catch up. Yeah, I think as we approach the finale, we'll see kind of an increase in numbers and the finale should still be on pace to kind of trump the premiere, which is what you're looking for in this type of thing. And again, the good news here isn't really what the numbers were for episode two like that's that's that is nice but the best news to me is just that their live plus seven numbers or uh everybody who watched over the course of the last week the first episode uh reached five million right. so that's a huge that's a five times plus five times multiplier uh from what their linear viewership was i don't have comparisons at hand right now but yeah. that's a good number and for a pilot that was so sort of filled with wtf moments that, that, like, that young lingo you're using there, Leo. <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't want to say fuck to on the pod. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, in, even in your in your review, like most viewers are going to be going, what the fuck is going on right now? And yet to retain that much of viewership is probably... The second episode ends with, I mean, no spoiler alert about the context, but it ends with Regina King's character saying, what the fuck? Yep. It and does. there's a scene in near the end of the first episode where she says the same thing. So it's, they, they know. They know what they're doing. They know what they're, like, Damon Lindelof knows what he's trying to do here. I've also had people... People, like I've got people text me about this and they're really enjoying it. They're really happy with what they're seeing. And some of them are still like, God damn it. I want to watch the next one right now. I cannot wait. I believe Leo is one of these. <laughs> I am one of these people who, 
who I, after very quickly saying that I will not be indulging in screener privileges, am reaching out to HBO as we speak <laughs> to see if I can get access to early screen screeners. And I, and I would still contend, like, I still think the weekly rollout, as we discussed, Libby, is the best thing for the show. Um, I think it deserves kind of the, the ongoing conversation between episodes for each episode. And that, you know, week two was something that, laid a lot of foundation that was implied in the first episode. Mm -hmm. Um, So for some people who really overindulged and looked at that first one so closely, they might have been like, okay, well, come on, let's let's pick it up a little bit. Let's move towards something else. But there were still enough moments of that. So also Leo. I feel like I'm just talking about Leo. (laughs) I think he's subtweeting you right now. Subtweeting you to your face. Leo's just such a great representative of the people. I know. That's why he's so invaluable to this. So uh, our second topic, this is our Halloween episode. Libby, you put out a an article last week talking about the top seven scariest shows streaming currently, of which I've only seen three. You know, it's a, it's it's hard to make a list on the internet because you don't want it to be the exact same as someone else's list, but you also don't want people to scream at you in the comment section. So that you forgot something. Yeah, yeah as is though this... this isn't like specifically curated to. Yeah. Well, in your title, it's it specifically says this is an all-encompassing every scariest TV show streaming right now list. It doesn't yes. say seven. It says everyone. Yeah, so. it all, says all of them. everyone. Because you're trying not to be like all the other lists out there. This is how you end up with Fortitude. It's, Fortitude is actually a British show, which aired originally in the US on a now defunct cable network called Pivot. It existed for three years. Uh, died on Halloween. It died on Halloween. Halloween, RIP Pivot as of three years Four days from now. What a weird statement. Um, Didn't expect to hear that on a podcast, did you? No, no, no. Fortitude's about a small town uh, within the Arctic Circle, and some weird stuff starts happening after they find a mammoth carcass that is thawing and may or may not be leaching into the town's groundwater. Anyway, things get weird. There's a polar bear, but not like lost. There's a polar bear. There's a polar bear. lost me. And it will mess you up. And uh, it's just a really great, really batshit kind of show. Um, I can only I can only vouch for the first season, which is on Amazon Prime. It has Stanley Tucci. has Michael Gamba. Whoa. Yeah. Talk about burying the lead. It has a touch of the tooch. Check it out because it's... It has some of the grossest, most amazing weirdness I've I've ever seen on television. It sounds a little bit like I did listen to, this is a podcast and not a TV thing, but Wolverine, The Long Night, the narrative podcast took place in a very similar like northern Alaska town. And weird stuff just happens, and it's a whole mysterious right. thing. So you put you put Hannibal on this list, and then you also wrote an article about how Hannibal may have been ahead of its time. I did. You know, I love to talk about Succession, but uh, I have been thinking a lot about Hannibal in 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 a much the same way. I'm thinking about the one percent. I'm thinking about how they sort of have a stranglehold on everything in the country right now. And I was thinking about it, what if Hannibal came back for its reported. Season four, which mm-hmm. Brian Fuller has always wanted to do. And um, instead of eating the rude, he was eating the rich. And uh, yeah, I think the moment is now. There's a lot of this in the zeitgeist. Without giving too much away, I think the movie of the year, Parasite, involves a little bit of this narrative. And honestly, I mean, it's been long enough that a revival 
would work. Like people would get excited about it. It just continues to build a fan base. Where can they stream Hannibal now? Is they can also stream. No, they can also stream Hannibal on Amazon Prime Video. So yeah, I I mean, God knows what Brian Fuller is going to do in reality. But if he somehow pulled these strings together, I think there's definitely a market. But Libby, I was excited that you put The Haunting of Hill House on this list. One because it's a somewhat underrated Netflix horror show. Two because. If anybody's interested in watching the upcoming film Dr. Sleep, the sequel to The Shining, it is directed by Mike Flanagan, who directed Haunting of Hill House. And I think I think there are flaws with The Haunting of Hill House. There's a lot of Netflix bloat within this, oh, especially sure. in terms of just how often he milks the like slow camera going around the corner and then there's something there or there's not. But it's still ultimately evokes a a very eerie sensation every time you start a new episode and every time you go back into that world. It's got great performances. Uh, It plays with time pretty well. It shares the name with the famous Shirley Jackson novel, which is also incredible. It's it's loosely based on that. It's not a one-for-one transfer. But I just, this is the show that I've watched that most captures that kind of tension in the chest, like I'm going to see something in the background move slightly, and then I'm not going to be able to sleep for the next three days. Yeah, great, great like production design work on this uh, and utilizing it with the camera. Yeah. And talking about like Easter eggs, like that list of things they, they released like, and it was weird watching it, how you would, you catch one out of every five. Oh yeah. You can, and you're like, that's a, yeah. And then it is there, but there's also four you missed that you just weren't paying attention for. Right. It's uh, horrible. I suggest watching it in the middle of the day with all of your blinds open because it's terrifying. That's not a way to watch a scary movie or show. Disagree. The embargo lifted on Apple TV Plus's original shows this past Monday. And, uh, well, maybe we'll handle this one by one. Let's start with what I think is the biggest fish in their sea, the morning show. Ben, you were in charge. More like the morning show, am I right? I mean, in terms of Ben Ben Travers. I mean, Ben Travers probably was in morning reviewing this due to your affinity for a lot of people involved in this. Yes, I don't know if I'd say a lot, but definitely enough people involved in this are great. And I felt like that would be at least enough to make this a serviceable, enjoyable and or effective portrayal of, of, you know, the, the, the morning news grind, the, the behind the scenes elements of how to build this news store with friendly personalities and still, you know, impactful stories and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it is, it is bad. It is often shockingly bad in those, <laughs> in those early episodes. And I've had a lot of people discuss, uh, once you get to the third episode, they only gave three episodes to critic. A lot of people have said, once you get to that third one, you can see signs of improvement and see it turning into a show that would be much better. I don't know if I agree with that, Libby. I, I really found that the show continued, or at least regularly undercut its own momentum. And that's, that's, a lot, it seems like a lot of hands were in the mix here. Like a lot right. of people were contributing to a show that was notorious for having behind the scenes problems. Right. Uh, getting started at least. But I, I, in that third episode, I feel like there are those same signs that this is not something you can trust to deliver on even the elements that it knows it wants to hit. Like the, the very pro equality, women's rights, feminism. One of the narratives that people keep talking about is the fact that this isn't a show where like Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon's characters are fighting with each other. And that is great. But they also kind of struggle to deliver the message 
that right. they want to deliver. Right. That's the problem with all of this, especially considering it's written by a woman, written by Carrie Aaron, directed by Mimi Leader. It's so strange how, of all the things that they are misfiring on, it's, it's the portrayals of women. I feel like the show is on a whole has a real problem with confusing complicated characters with contradictory characters. Contradictions can happen within people, within characters, but Morning Show will often do something where they set up a character one way and then immediately undercut themselves and that same character in the next scene. And it it, it doesn't make me feel like these are nuanced and deep people struggling with this. It just makes it seem like there's no internal coherence. Well, and also because a lot of those elements, at least for me, the way they set up characters is by over-explaining those characters. They right. let the characters kind of literally explain who they are themselves or have another character tell them who they are and then they agree or disagree so that it is drilled into the audience that this is this type of person. I'm especially thinking of Reese Witherspoon's character, Bradley Jackson, who is just repeatedly like labeled as you know somebody who moves between networks all the time and somebody yeah. who can't settle down and somebody who's like fiery personality gets in the way of her success and uh she's somebody she's supposed to be an old school reporter who's like invested only in the truth but she's also working for a conservative network uh and that's okay like i i there's there's a lot of that kind of being reinforced at all times and the way they try to reverse it is almost illogical instead of creating conflict right Right. It, it's it's a very strange thing to have an Oscar winner in your cast and you're just like, well, we can't trust her to act like who her character is. So we better have everyone explain it over and over and over. Like, I don't know why you spend so much money getting Steve Krill, getting Jen Aniston, getting Reese Witherspoon, and then not trusting them to be able to act the words that you put down. I, I don't know. I don't understand. And I don't understand the pacing of this show. It feels excruciatingly long. Scenes go on forever with nothing happening. There's no internal propulsion of the story. I feel like the, sh the, sh the show starts in the wrong place. Like I think it starts at the end of episode two. So you've just spent two hours completely, completely wasting your time. Well, and, and to even remove a little bit of the, like, of our subjectivity to this, um, a lot of the reviews that came out on Monday and over the course of this week have just called it boring. They've just said yeah. that it's a boring show. And that's true. Like, if you are deeply invested in television and you actually pay attention to things like structure and character development mm -hmm. on in terms of, like, how they're written and then how that comes across on screen, then you're going to be confused and compelled to kind of keep watching because you were just trying to figure out what they were thinking. Right. But if you're just watching this as a source of entertainment, there's not a lot of it there. There's no. not a lot of scenes where they just let themselves be an entertaining program. I mean, like some of the highlights for me are very small pieces like when again and i should preface a lot of what i said before none of the problems are mimi leader's fault as a director i really no. do love what she's doing with it and she's yes. trying very very hard to build a lot of excitement and momentum by incorporating those walk and talk shots by like kind of uh just prodding people to like move and interact with multiple like like the blocking is, is very strategic. And right. But one of my favorite things is when uh, Billy Crudup's character just kind of pops into the back of a walk and talk. You've seen them do these, this walk and talk oh, through yeah. the morning, like through the morning show studio a couple of times already. And then suddenly these, the network executive is behind Mark Duplass's 
executive producer and he doesn't know he's there. So you're just kind of watching him shadow him and then pop up and surprise them. And it's like, that's a great idea. And, yeah. it's, and it's well executed. And yet at the same time, the content of what he's saying and what he's doing isn't really amplified to give you like a good joke or a good like arrival kind of um, embarrassing moment for either of them, anything like that. It's just... Like, you can tell it's like Mimi is working hard to make this work and to make it entertaining. And it, it just can't quite find out how to Well, and here's the thing, together. too. And this is the importance of direction. By blocking that scene that way, I learned more about those characters than they told me throughout the entire episode. You knew immediately what kind of person Crudup was just from watching him in that shot. And that wouldn't have happened without leader's direction. It's just, but I think you hit the nail on the head. The last thing I expected the morning show to be was boring. And again, we talk about Watchmen all the time, but as a show that just premiered, had a lot of expectations on it. You can hate the Watchmen, but it moves. Like that that show is flying. Like the pacing and the the narrative is constantly there's an engine there. And And there's there's funny moments. Like there's really yeah. good bits of humor that they drop at, at specific points. And there's action scenes where it's like we're gonna just make a really good action scene right now and it serves the story. But even if they were just like we know we need it, they do that well. And those are the kind of things that you should be able to rely upon from experienced people who make television, like the people who they hired for the morning show. But again, this feels like something that, again, because it's Apple's flagship drama and because it went through so many changes just from from being a very old school show about what happens on a morning show set to something that's very focused on Me Too issues and fallout, it feels like there's a million hands in here. Mm -hmm. And you, if you can feel that as an audience member. On the five year anniversary of Too Many Cooks. <laughs> yep, that must have been it. <laughs> It was orchestrated by Apple yeah. to land on the anniversary yeah. so people would drive back to YouTube and just watch that yeah. over and over. I'd rather watch Too Many Cooks than The Morning Show based yeah. on um, based on the, on the reviews. And that's, that's the biggest problem here. The biggest problem is that Apple needs this show to be an easy selling point, as easy as Jen and Reese. Right. But if TV people who already have a million things to watch hear that the show is bad or boring, especially boring. Oh, yeah. They're not going to make the effort to watch it. Because you have to make a conscious effort to watch a new service. There's no humanity in the show. Obviously, we can you can have difficult characters, you can have unlikable characters and still have great television, but there is something so cold and so antiseptic and so, again, shallow about, about all of this. It all feels like a glossy facade. All the money's on screen, like, and it just, it just falls flat. Well, again, to, to point out some of the like some of the common benefits, like some of the things that the critics who again this got mixed reviews. There's some people like Libby and I who the, really the, don't like it. The Metacritic score right now is at 59. Yeah, and that and 59 and 60 are very bad scores for a TV show. Oh, like any TV show, let alone yeah. a show of this caliber. Because that you're hinging an entire launch. On. Right. Looking at these reviews, even the people who are excited about this have caveats. They have hangups. There's things where, you know, they don't know exactly where it's going to go or they're worried about this or that. Most people are rightfully worried about where that Steve Carell storyline is going. Um, but again, to be fair, we all also kind of agree that Jennifer Aniston is great in this, that she does a magnificent job in 
very difficult circumstances. And on the one hand, she's given scenes that are designed to be like, look at this showcase for Jennifer Aniston. But on the other hand, she knocks those scenes out of the park. And those are the kind of things that there should be more of if this was going to succeed. There should just be those kind of layups where you're like, listen, we've got these very likable people. Let's just put them in situations where we want to root for them and just we can easily get behind them and we know what their motivations are and we can enjoy that. And they only have, like, I think there's maybe two that I could think of on the top of my head from those first three episodes so that that's not going to cut it. Maybe we should talk about some of the other shows Apple TV Plus will be launching with. Libby, you reviewed Dickinson. Which, I did. Which currently sits amongst the, you know, the big four that they're launching with on November 1st. Sits atop Metacritic. 68. A 68 on Metacritic. Still 68. not still not glowing. No, no, it's not glowing. And Dickinson is definitely not for everyone. Um, it is a an, an anachronistic modern take on Emily Dickinson. Um, she is played by Haley Steinfeld, who I think is amazing. Um, I think she's an amazing actress. I think she's doing her best in this. And it's, it's, it's fun, but I will admit that I did not understand the show completely until about episode three. Episode three, everything sort of congeals for Dickinson. It becomes kind of light and frothy, and you realize that it's not really about Emily Dickinson at all. It's about being a young woman, the challenges young women face, the relationships they build, the the way that they're privileged, the way that they're shut down. And it's 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 kind of universal, and it's, it's putting it in a different setting than something like Riverdale, or even something like the OC. Because it's in a different setting, it, it forces a different perspective on you. It's messy and imperfect and the first episode is not good not to get just too a, not to get too far afield just because you know you were talking about the morning show sort of people are saying after the third episode you're saying that Dickinson sort of finds itself in the third episode is any of this related to sort the sort of this is Apple TV's or Apple's first foray into programming here's the big problem with Dickinson and and with Apple TV's launch is the fact that Dickinson is launching on November 1st, its entire first season. I saw the first three episodes of Dickinson. They did not give critics any more than that. So I have to temper my thoughts on it. It all has to be kind of hedged because I have no idea what happens in episode four. I have no idea where this show goes. I have no idea if they really set, even settle into themselves even more halfway through the season. And that's the thing about sending screeners to critics. If you want a fair shake on your show, because everyone knows it takes a little, uh, most shows, most showrunners, it takes a little while to figure out what you're doing. A couple episodes sometimes. It's not every show that that comes out of the gates full force. The more episodes you can make available to critics, the better it's going to be if you believe in that show. If you're only sending three episodes of a show that you are releasing in its entirety on with the premiere of your, your streaming app, it makes me nervous and it makes you look bad. I always encourage anybody I talk to out here if you're gonna if you've got them send them like if you've got the episodes send them out because the better picture we have of what the show is trying to do that isn't based on the official synopsis or whatever you know we're being told from public representative like it, it that doesn't work like we we have to go off what we've seen mm-hmm. um to your original question though in in terms of whether this is a problem unique to apple no this is a problem unique to streaming and anybody who doesn't follow the traditional pilot system and i think that libby you're absolutely correct in, in terms of most shows even if they do have like a very formal like a pilot they shoot that they work out the kinks they do reshoots they get it just right they feel like they know what they're doing you're still finding your show as you're making it so that those kind of things are going to happen um but if you just go straight to series 
and you're just you're not taking a beat after you make the first episode to you know be able to give notes or recast or rework the the script or or realize like oh hey that's the actor who we should focus on we can rewrite the later episodes so that you know that character has more to do um if you're not doing that then it's going to be a longer process of getting to know your show it's going to feel like it's a longer wait for your audience to get on board but you were talking about for all mankind and sort of it's overlong for all mankind is another one that i think its biggest problem is that it's incredibly boring um it also actively makes choices that neutralize the drama it makes a lot of decisions within the narrative where it's supposed to be this alternate history where the russians landed on the moon before america did and that's supposed to send like a whole string of of different events you know into into flux and you watch and learn how we kind of responded to that and how the world responded to that um but even in that first episode they make a lot of choices where they steer back toward the safety of what you know happened in history instead of kind of making a more bold, daring, and interesting choice. And that's a problem. Like, that that to me felt like they were just trying to stretch things out, and then when the episodes clock in as long as they do, that again makes it feel like they're stretching things out. And that's not why you watch TV. You don't watch TV just so you have a ton of content at your disposal. You watch it because it's an ongoing investment in these characters in the story, and you have to earn that investment. If you are making an alt history, and at every intersection you choose to lean on history as it is, that's a cop out. I want to see all of the weird ass things that happen. Stop trying to herd me back to our current timeline. Because you know what? This timeline sucks. Yeah. Uh, I want a blue man I want a blue man on Mars. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. All histories are hot right now. Yeah, I'm trying very hard Um, not to mention it. Like (laughs) again. Classic watchman Uh, reference. But no on another another classic (laughs) watchman reference. (laughs) That circles back to another one of the problems with For All Mankind, especially for me. And one of the biggest crimes of that pilot is that their best character is uh, a woman who works at NASA who you're introduced to sleeping in her office and hiding it because she's just that devoted to the mission and she's she's that invested. But she's being outranked by all these men around her and pushed around because she's a woman in the 1960s. And they set up this opportunity for her to stand up for herself and to help save the mission in no uncertain terms and instead of even like letting her do one thing or the other they just completely breeze by it they don't even come back to her and you're like she was my favorite thing about it and you're already telling me you don't care enough to even complete her arc within this episode that's a problem like and that is a very basic fundamental storytelling problem that i i don't blame on on apple in particular because we see it elsewhere but it is something where it makes me worry about their shows because if they're not monitoring for that if they don't have the creatives in development capable enough to notice these things i i think that spells doom for more than just these four every showrunner is every writer is going to complain about now network notes. But I feel like maybe what we're seeing here is what happens if you're getting network notes from a network that doesn't have experience making television. Feedback is good. You don't have to listen to it. Right. But if enough people are saying something, maybe that's when you listen. You have to be open to... Not to short shrift C, but... Nailed it. What does this mean for the launch? Um, All all these reviews. To me, ultimately... These middling reviews. To me, ultimately, it doesn't mean a whole lot. Um... I think it's telling. I think it's something where now they have to, instead of leaning on good reviews and saying, look at all these great shows we made, why wouldn't you give us $5 a month to watch this? Now they have to come up with new, better reasons for people to subscribe or for you know their existing cu- cu- customers to tune in. And it's harder to incentivize 
people if you don't have that kind of easy fallback of, look at how great they are, we have all this evidence. But they've been preparing this for a really long time. The but, morning and show, yet, And yet, as you wrote, people still don't know quite how they're going to get some of this stuff. They should have started this much earlier. Apple should have absolutely said, this is exactly how this is going to work. And they're advertising their shows, but they are not heavily advertising how to do it. And there there are a lot of misconceptions out there about what the shows are, what was the how to watch Google? the shows. Oh, it's a Google what, was the, what, was the Google, what was the Google result? Over a 24-hour period. The second highest like related search to Apple TV Plus was the morning show Netflix. And the morning show Netflix ranked above the morning show Apple TV. So people are searching, how do I watch this Apple show, which isn't going to be available on Netflix, ever. Right. They are searching for how do I watch it on Netflix because that's what they have and that's what they understand. Right. And to be fair to Apple, this is a problem that the entire industry is facing because Netflix is a utility. But... Well, Netflix is basically Nintendo of a certain generation. Like, we got kept getting different systems, but my mom still called it every one of them the Nintendo, so... But they've no one has ever had to upgrade anything. They've never had to buy a new system. They've never had to change anything other than, you know, just go along with their monthly credit card bill being a dollar more or two dollars more. Right. So they, they didn't... They've... they've Whatever. understood what they're using and how to use it. Whether they have a smart TV, an Xbox, a Roku, a Fire Stick, you can get Netflix on all of those. Right, and you can get Apple TV on all of those too. Wait, really? <laughs> <laughs> but Apple didn't Yikes. make that clear. And a lot of their a lot of their advertising doesn't make that clear because I think because they want to sell as many products as they can, so they kind of want to encourage that idea that you should just have an Apple product so you can watch this stuff. But I, de lot I definitely thought, like, as the rube in the room, definitely thought that that was part of their marketing schemes. You need an Apple TV in order to watch Apple TV+. Plus. In this office, in this building that houses multiple entertainment journalists like and companies, I had multiple discussions with those people who have been studying this that said opposite things. That's the point. Like, there is too much confusion out there about how to access this and who can access this and when they can access this and etc. But But they needed to address that much, much sooner. And that's that's a bigger problem to me than the reviews themselves. Because... If you don't know how to do it or you're confused by it, if you can do it, you're just going to give up. When it's out, when Apple is actually available, I think the launch itself will clear up a lot of these problems for people because they will get directed by whatever it is back to one thing, whether it's the Apple TV thing on their browser or the app on their phone or whatever it is. And that'll be like, oh, okay, this is how I do it. But for now, it's too much confusion. And for a launch, it's too much confusion. Right. What they need is a simple video with Steve Carell telling everyone how to watch the morning show. Honestly shocked. Yeah. Just commercials that are like, hey, I'm Steve Carell. I'm you may recognize me from such films as television. 40 Year Old Virgin and Anchorman and television is The Office. Steve Carell shows up. He cracks a couple jokes, probably self-effacing. Then he says, you can watch Apple, You can watch my new show, The Morning Show, on Apple TV anywhere. These are free ideas. You can do that. If we see these ads running after the launch, then we really know that there was a that huge took our problem. Idea? Well, that too. <laughs> Well, we're very, they, I hope we're not we're the very only ones influential. That they listen to the pod? Yeah. They listen to the pod. Aww. That's amazing. Before we get to wakeboarding with Ann Dowd, it's that time of the week. We ask Libby, do you have a show on Quibi yet? No. I'm sorry. This is a good bit. Speaking it's a solid I like bit. this bit. It's a solid bit. So now we're in wakeboarding with Ann Dowd. Ben, as someone who doesn't get screeners, I was I did watch the premiere of Mrs. Fletcher, and I enjoyed it thoroughly. And I'm excited to see where the show goes from here. It's, it's a really great show. Tom Prada... First time out as the as the showrunner, absolutely nailed it. He brought in 
great people, including Nicole Hall of Center, who directed the pilot, and Helen Estabrook, who's uh, an EP. I mean, guys, watch Mrs. Fletcher. You've got your subscription to HBO for Watchmen already. You don't care about Silicon Valley at this point, I imagine. And you do care about Mrs. Fletcher because Catherine Hahn and Tom Barada, you want to have that leftovers reunion, but over a longer period of time with two different shows. I, I have HBO for three things. Watchmen, Mrs. Fletcher, and True Blood. <laughs> Four things, Leo. You need it, so we can have Doggy Bag launched <laughs> by true. the end of the year. I need it for Doggy Bag. Millions of Screens is a production of the Penske Media Corporation and IndieWire. Our theme music features excerpts of the classic YouTube video Bjork talking about her TV and Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Our editor-in-chief is Dana Harris. Our publisher is James Israel. And our executive editor is Ann Donahue. You can find us on Twitter at a million screens, at Midwest Spitfire, at Ben T. Travers and at Leo Adrian Garcia. If you like the show, tell your friends. They won't even have to try that hard to find us. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and we're still beefing with Stitcher. At some point, we'll be on Stitcher and anywhere else you get your podcast. This is Ben, Libby, and Leo reminding you, as always, that you shouldn't let poets lie to you. You shouldn't let poets lie to you. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.